We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Can an author take another author's story and translate it into their own culture? Let's talk about it coming up today. What movie is this? Just tell me, please so I don't feel stupid anymore. Well, it makes you think it's a movie. What TV show is it then? Is it Star Wars? <laughs> is it Star Wars? Kumo no Ito, The Spider's Thread, a 1918 short story classic from none other than Ryunosuke Akutagawa, one of Japan's most famed and classical writers of the short story. Best Japanese writer ever? I feel like we need to get into more Soseki, because I know you've done... Um, Sanshiro with me, but we're going to do Kokoro later on this year. So we got a little bit more to explore, I think, with Soseki there. But I, there's a ton of great Japanese writers, and it's hard to say what's the best. He's the best around. <laughs> Nothing's going right. to ever keep him down. It's possess a giant awesome. spider and dropping yeah. into hell. <laughs> so this story, so this story was presented to me in college from my college professor. Okay. And at the time, I actually didn't, I hadn't read the source material. I read the source material after I graduated and I made you read the source material last year in February. Do you remember what this story is from? Can I go to our playlist to February? <laughs> <laughs> I can find it real quick. I promise. You may remember a little story about a beggar woman who had never done anything good in her life, except once she gave an onion to someone. And in order to be saved, you know, to be pulled out from hell into heaven, she was given a chance to hold on to this onion and be plucked out from hell. And that's when all the other sinners started to grab onto her and she kicked them and said, get off my onion. This is my oh, onion. What's it called? Oh, what do we read? It's, it's a short story or novel. It was The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Mikhailovich Dostoyevsky. Oh, little novel. Little, no read. little novel. One of the chapters in there, The Parable of the Onion. So Akutagawa takes this and I think he doesn't he doesn't just copy it. He he translates it into Japanese with Japanese culture that I thought we'd kind of go through a little bit today because I really do appreciate this translation. So what happens with this story is we start off in paradise with Lord Shakyamuni who's strolling through, you know, paradise and he peers down into this lotus pond and, and down below lotus pond, the lotus pond is hell. And down there, he sees this bandit, Kandata, right? And what's interesting is, is right off the bat, there's tons of little Japanese lore just kind of put in there when he talks about the Sanzu River, which if you didn't know, it's kind of like the Japanese version of the Styx River. You have to cross that river into the afterlife in a sense. And based on the deeds that you did in life, chooses how easy you can cross, right? Because you can walk across the bridge, if you're a good person, right? You could ford the river, or you might have to go through the snake-infested waters. Which one would you rather do? Maybe be a good person and you get a little bit easier when you cross over. 
And you got the Needles Mountain, which they explain in the story is, you know, you're climbing this mountain made out of needles. It's torture. Basically, bring up this idea of a personal hell, right? A personal hell being the hell that you create. The choices you make in life matter and influence where the worst things and the biggest fears in your life are what you're going to have to live if you don't make good decisions. Mine, mine is definitely not a spider web. It is the beach. So that's what I'm going to imagine for the rest of this story. <laughs> <laughs> so this robber did a bunch of bad deeds, just like in the Brothers Karamazov. This this lady was a terrible person, except the, the one good deed is, is kind of questionable. Like the lady in Karamazov just gave an onion to, to some lady. He just didn't kill a spider. Like that's his good deed, right? And it shows how they're saved by their own grace. Like the woman was pulled up by the onion. This man is given a thread from the spider. And I think there's even like references to the color jade, which is, you know, very symbolic to the Japanese culture and such. But it's it's the idea that he's going to be saved by his own good choice, his own grace in a sense. So if he makes these better choices, he's going to be able to save himself, but he did bad choices to get himself in this position. Well, um, well, he's in hell. <laughs> okay. He did a lot of bad things, right? But he can be saved from it by doing good things, right? It's it's the idea of of personal choice, free will, and okay. the the threads offered down to him. Karma, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Good, okay. good clarification, good translation, uh, particularly for when it comes to Buddhism, which was very popular into uh, the Japanese culture at this time. Um, so he starts climbing hand over head on this thread, and he's like, "Oh, this thread's pretty stern, right? Like this is good thread. Like I have no problem." And he looks down, and he's like, "Oh my gosh." There's a mountain of sinners now trying to climb this thread as well. That was totally fine a second ago. Now I'm terrified it's going to snap. <laughs> yeah. So what does he do? He says, get off this thread. This is my thread, you sinners. Just just like in Karamazov. And it's at that moment when he makes that personal choice not to help others, not to think of others, right? When, when he's just so self-interested about saving himself that he's no longer saving himself because he's doing good. He's saving himself because he's self-interested, right? And it's at that moment, the thread snaps, right? The thread that was perfect, the narrator even talks about how the thread was perfectly fine until he said that, and that's the moment when it snaps, which to me ties together our choice our and, and basically the ramifications, the consequences that we face in life. So the, the, the most terrible thing that this guy can imagine is helping other people? Well, no, the, the, the one good thing he did was not kill a spider. So it's ironic that he's being saved by this spider's threat, right? His choice right, at okay. this point in time is to not try to help other people. Okay. And I think that begs the question of what is the ideal form of forgiveness? Is, is perfect forgiveness when you forgive 100% of the time? Is it when you forgive someone and it's able to make a difference or that it allows someone to live a better life? Well, not to like bust holes in, in that like viewpoint, but if you're forgiving 100% of the time, it would always make a difference. I don't know, but not necessarily, right? Sometimes you can forgive someone. And it's like, okay, whatever, right? Like, and, and I guess that begs the question. But it's too, still 100% well, perfect. Is it? What makes it 100% perfect? Like, what is the ideal form of forgiveness? Okay, well, then there's two viewpoints of this. It all comes back down. We talk about perspective a lot. Is it you're forgiving yourself 
for helping or not helping? Or is it you're forgiving the other person and their deeds? Well, I think that's exactly the point is when does compassion come from a place of self-interest versus general compassion for others, right? Selflessness. Yeah, yeah. And to that point, does that further define what is perfect compassion? I guess when it comes down to like these choices and everything of having limited compassion, limited, you know, caring for someone else could lead to you being in hell. Like if you aren't perfect at it, then you're damned. And that doesn't seem fair to me. Out of curiosity, at one point in in our talks, we were talking about something that was very charged, right? Very, very politically charged at the time. And you made a comment to me of, if you chose this way, I would stop our relationship. I would just, I would just never forgive you. I would cut you out. Do you ever think back to that and think about what does compassion mean when someone else has a different point of view? And to me, like, like the way you said that was that like you were not willing to forgive someone who thought differently, I guess, in a sense. I guess so it depends on what the topic is. Uh, I mean, there, there's being compassionate and there's being uh, I, practical is not the right word, uh, but I think that on some things there are facts and they're, it's not opinion based. So how do you, no one's going to argue, I guess people will argue facts. It's kind of, <laughs> some people, <laughs> that, some people, people are kind of argue actually. everything, <laughs> but, but that's a very safe way of saying it, right? Like, like, oh, there's some facts like, well, yeah, of course there's some facts, but when someone does you wrong, when is it in your self-interest to forgive them versus when does when does just general perfect forgiveness beg the inaction, I guess, in a sense? The action, I guess, no, the action from you to forgive. I think there's one thing that we're not taking into consideration here that I would struggle eliminating entirely, and that's love. Okay. There are people in this world that I I have compassion for, only because I love them. Otherwise, if, if they were not someone that I loved, I, I would write them out completely because I, I wholeheartedly disagree with how they behave, um, how mm. they uh, treat others, uh, their, their viewpoints. If I did not love them, wash my hands of them easily. So I guess that's one thing of a lot of times we're talking about forgiveness and compassion. It comes a lot of times from a place of love and not necessarily maybe a love for yourself, but a love for a third party in here as well. So it's not always just about me and you. There's always a, uh, you know, there, there, there's a, a third viewpoint. Okay, I can see that. And I think that's a very human way, right? Like some people may even argue that's attachment, right? Like you're willing to forgive because you're attached to them. And does forgiveness... And, and then and then when is that attachment because of self-interest, of not wanting to be alone or losing someone, or I've invested so much in this relationship? Well, in this story too, doesn't it, it, it in in the, the spider is the ironic viewpoint, and we haven't talked a lot about, um, we've only briefly mentioned the, the irony of that, but there is a, a layer of religion here as well, and a lot of religions 
profess love is the way to go to heaven, the opposite of hell, even though I don't think heaven is really mentioned here in the story. Um, well, they're in paradise, right? Like, like that's kind of the yeah. paradise quote heaven. Uh, and you get there through love. So, I mean, attachment, love, eating chocolate, getting a, you know, sense of euphoria in your brain. I, I don't know. So, okay. Semantics, to that I think point, at that point. So to that point, would you get to heaven and expect it to be like, oh, super compassionate and, and like, you know, forgiveness like based, but like the ending of the story, you'll notice what's kind of interesting is what's it mean, right? Like, like the Lord Shakyamuni just kind of moves on, like as if this were no big deal. He doesn't lament the loss. He just moves on. And if, if this is paradise, if this is perfection, if this is heaven, like whatever that final state nirvana, you know, wherever you want to take that. What does it mean that this single act of evil, I guess, uh, self-interest, I, I don't know if I want to call it evil. To me, it's, it's, I don't consider it evil, but I know some religions would classify it that way. But what does it mean that this act of self-interest, selfishness, greed, has no impact on perfection, no impact on heaven? Like, it's literally meaningless to Lord Shakyamuni. And, and how do we take that into play when it says, if we're trying to emulate perfect compassion, which is what Lord Shakyamuni is, does that mean we shouldn't be impacted by personal attachment? Does that mean we shouldn't be impacted by evil? Like a person that has a perfect track record of 99.9% .9 evil, like this, <laughs> like, this, like this robber who was one time just didn't step out of spider, does he still deserve that one moment of compassion and forgiveness? lot to break down there uh real quick uh i don't think that it's like a scale i mean some people maybe do like you do so many good you do so many bad uh if mm -hmm. you, as long as you have a couple good ones then you get a chance like if you do three good things you get three chances uh i don't think it's like <laughs> that from my feel of the story it felt very indifferent at the end that whatever you you do it it doesn't doesn't matter um in this life or the next and that almost felt like uh, Akutagawa was a little bit of like nihilism coming out here of it really doesn't matter uh, what 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 choices you make. Everybody's going to get a chance. Well, I wouldn't say that's nihilistic. N um, nihilistic would be there's no meaning. Ni um, I think you might mean pessimistic. Um, OK. Uh, another way to look at that is. Do we think that perfection is uncorruptible? Like, is it so that is it so bad that evil can't even impact paradise? Like, the choices that we make doesn't impact perfection in a sense. Then, then why does it matter what choices we make? You're always going to end up in in one place or the or you're always going to end up in paradise, no matter your choice. I mean, that's not the argument. Well, I mean, of, obviously not for Kandata, right? Like, because his choices were so yeah. bad, his only chance at getting up there was this one good act. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, yeah, he totally blew it. But I don't think it's a matter, like you said, of, uh, you do three good things, you get three good chances. I, I don't think that's the point either. But I think it's the idea of he had a chance, a choice to make it into goodwill. I don't, I don't know if I got the feeling that there, it didn't matter. I guess you'd have to articulate that a little bit more of what do you mean it doesn't matter because he was given a chance and he blew it, to your point. So if you knew that if you did these good deeds, it would secure you a chance or secure your place, would you still do them or not do them? Mm -hmm. or, or even does doing them matter or does the intention matter behind it even? 
Ah, so there's that as well. I mean, if if you're giving away stuff, but you gotta post it on Facebook or tweet it out or you know make a TikTok on it, is your good deed really good? Is that being compassionate if somebody has to see you doing it? Right. I I I don't think it does. And and he got his one chance because he he didn't step on the spider. But did he consciously move his foot away from the spider? Or was it an accident? Doesn't matter if it's accident or not. Yeah, I think I think intention matters when it comes to defining perfect compassion, perfect forgiveness. And it's kind of if you look at it by today's standards, you have those people that go to those rallies or those people that post things on social media. They don't actually support those causes. They're just doing it for the social cred. They're just doing it so that they look good. And I think that has to be a matter of intention mattering when it comes to discovering what is your perfect forgiveness? What is your perfect compassion? Is your is your hell a spider, Una? I think mine would be no Funyuns or something. I don't know. It'd be something ridiculous. Like, like everybody's yeah. sitting around eating Funyuns and I'm like, hey, can, can I have one? No? Can, can, buddy, can you, can you share? Like... <laughs> I had one question for you. Why did he pick a spider? Why do you think that one? Is that just because it's a, a common insect people don't like? Um, I, If I recall correctly, I think the webs have a lot to do with fate. Um, okay. I think even when you look at, gosh, what was it? There was um, a Kurosawa film that was redoing this um, Shakespeare play. And like they had like this spindle and they're creating this web and uh, our Japanese instructor, I mean, it's been 20 years now, was explaining about how the the usage of the thread and fate mattered a lot more in Japanese culture than ours. Uh, but it's been 20 years that I probably can't represent that perfectly right now, just off the cuff. I mean, I, I guess I kind of thought of it as like a spider web has all of these branching choices. So you start off in mm. the center and there's all these different paths that you can take. And uh, he chose the path that he only got one opportunity and that uh, my kind of life lesson here that I was learning is, is try to pick the best path that's going to give you the most opportunities, whether that's selfish or not and will help you. I don't know. Does intention matter? Because <laughs> could be a problem if it does with that type of mentality. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. We'll leave a playlist to our other Kutagawa talks down below. Uh, my name is Ben Una. I'd appreciate it if you hit like and if you enjoyed today's conversation. Peace out. Peace.